Hello, welcome to this week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for AllSportsDiscussion.com. This is Jeff, and you can follow me on Twitter at TalkingACCSports. Your podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can give Matthew a follow on Twitter at ASD underscore Hokiesmash. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now as he welcomes our guest. Um, and Matthew, we're still looking for Tim to join us here. We, we are, we are. Would you mind, Jeff, just telling, uh, maybe mention to him that the pot, the invite is still over at uh, probably at his Gmail account, at his Gmail account. I think it would probably be, probably would be helpful here. So yeah, this is Matthew, as Jeff said, you can follow me on Twitter at ASD underscore Hokie Smash, although I really don't spend as much time over on that account anymore. I spend a lot more time at the site account, and that's at All Sports DACC. We have a terrific return guest tonight in Tim Thomas. You can follow Tim on Twitter at, at Tim Thomas TLP. That's at T I M T H O M A S. TLP, and he is the owner and operator of TechLunchPail.com, and that is really one of the most widely sourced Virginia Tech blogs on the internet. He has just he he has grown exponentially every year that he's been at all sports. This excuse me at at at, at TechLunchPail, and he's been on this show many times. Um, I, he, I mean, Jeff, I think, as I recall, he came on, he came on here as a student when he was just flipping from the, from the fan side at Hokies blog. And I, I see Tim is with us now. Tim, can you hear us friend? Can you turn your volume up just a little bit? Not so much, not so much. That's a little better. Yeah, a little more. Can you give us a little more? Better. That's that's even better. Give us a little more if you can. I don't know. Unfortunately. <laughs> okay, that's better. That's better than it was before, man. That's better than it was before. Welcome back, your friend. I just gave you a big, a big plug here. I mean, you are the owner and operator of TechLunchPail.com. It is really one of those widely read Virginia Tech blogs on the internet. You have grown exponentially. Every year, you can follow. We can. I should say here, you can follow Tim on Twitter at Tim at Tim Thomas TLP. Again, that's at T I M T H O M S T L P. The site Twitter account at TechLunchPail.com is at TechLunchPailD. That's at T E C H L U N C H P A I L D. And it's just amazing to see their growth. And uh, just an explosion of growth at the site, an explosion of readers. And, you know, we had Tim Thomas on this show when he was a student several years ago. Right, right after he left the Hokies fan site, his fan-sided blog and started independently. And like I said, he's just grown every year and he's been a great friend of AllSportsDiscussion.com. And we've seen him get analytically sharper every time that he's been on this show and with everything that... His group writes, his stable of writers, I should say, writes at techlunchbail.com. Tim, welcome back. We're really happy to have you come on the show. 
tell our readers about yourself a little bit and anything that you want to plug because I plugged your you know some new available features on your site but we'd love to have you talk about all of that thank you again for coming on friend yeah it's great to be back on guys it's always a pleasure to be on and I always remember when we just launched the tech launch bill uh, we popped right on here you, you guys have me on for the first time so y'all been with us and supporting us for a long long time so it's greatly appreciated but yeah I'm a, you know 2018 alum of Virginia Tech full-time engineer working to build this up maybe into a full-time get deal someday we'll see um, but been running this thing now we're nearing a decade um, we're about nine years this up in 2024 we'll hit nine years of the tech launch bell and we've continued to grow obviously we made a lot the big thing this off season um, we rolled out the TLP insider premium subscription so we got a lot of great stuff still for free but even more great stuff for those who are subscribers uh, for only seven dollars a month or seventy dollars a year uh, from recruiting to insights analysis on football basketball great in-depth stories um, we've done some Q&A's as well with former players hope to get some more here coming soon um, but we've done some Q&A's with former tech stars in all sorts of different sports um, and coaches all that so um, it's been a blast um, we've really seen a lot of growth we've got a great team of student riders of other friends of mine as well who wrote for us um, producing great content on on the ground um, you know with all the support we've had it's been great I tell you this it's a lot it's given me a lot more flexibility to cover a lot more games this year um, this is already on pace to cover more road games just about all of them uh, outside of Florida State and and should be up there in Boston here in a couple weeks but outside of Florida State being able to cover all of them this year just about so um, yeah the all that funding all that support uh, from our from our subscribers has been tremendous in helping us grow further and you know it's it's been a fascinating time we've covered a lot of things from when we launched the end of the beamer era through the the highs and the lows of the justin fuente era and now into the rebuild of the brent pry era along with plenty of highs on the basketball front men's and women's wrestling baseball softball all sorts and beyond and who's all with you at the site at the site now, Tim? You probably don't have to, na to name everybody, but if you got some major people that you want to talk about, the floor is yours. Oh yeah, we got some great student riders, especially guys like Will Walker, who's been with us for a long time. He's going to really bring a lot of basketball stuff and brought some a lot of football coverage as well. Raza Umarani, guy I got to know a little last spring on the baseball front when he was doing some stuff for some of the student publications. He's been a great addition, especially football wise. Ryan Duvall has been. Our base, our lead guy for baseball, and helped us out with a lot of things. Uh, we got a couple more people coming in. Uh, Peyton C's been a guy. He's not a tech student, but he's a good friend of mine. Went to tech as well. He's been able to do some stuff occasionally. Um, you know, the challenges of being a being a, being a dad of a of a young son uh, or a young child um, definitely uh, means you can't just you know don't have free time as much sometimes. But he's done some great work for us as well. So we've been fortunate to have a great team and. You can also hear me on, on the radio sometimes, whether on ESPN Blacksburg on Friday afternoons or on the Big Dog Sports Talk uh, show on uh, WRAD uh, or Radford on Monday mornings. So plenty of great stuff all around. And it must have been fun calling, uh, or calling, I should say, and writing about the, uh, the women's basketball run last year, uh, last year as well, Tim. That was a blast, and it was great to be down in Dallas. That was that is one of the coolest things I've gotten to do, cover that Final Four courtside for that Tech-LSU game. 
I thought I was about to be courtside for a national championship game until that fourth quarter. Um, but that was an incredible experience being down there for the Final Four as well. And that was an incredible team. And the thing is, I think Tech fans should know that the Final Four in 2024, the women's Final Four, is in Cleveland. I just think, I just think Tech fans, if you don't know that already, you should because this Tech team absolutely is a national title contender. They're loaded. They're loaded. And you've also, just one quick thing, you've also been on the radio in Richmond as well, right? Yeah, I've made, I make some appearances periodically down at ESPN Richmond as well. So you see me a few different places, and then sometimes other things pop up as well. Definitely, definitely. Just want to make sure we give you get get our readers to know everything about you out there, everything about you. So let's get right to it, man. Which ACC football team was the most disappointing team in Week 8? And then go on the flip side. Who was the most impressive in Week 8? Yeah, let's talk out the bad before we get to the – get that out of the way before we get to the good because there's plenty of – on both sides. I think North Carolina is where the conversation has to start. Look, credit to UVA. What a performance for them. Tony Elliott needed it. They're starting to be growing talk among some national people, some podcasts I listen to and stuff, that maybe Elliott could be in trouble this year. I think I assume that's that talk is dead after this game. Um, all that's quelled, I would assume for now at least. I mean, that's a huge win for UVA with all they've been through as well. But North Carolina, this is a bad UVA football team. You can't lose this game. You're undefeated. You put yourself in this incredible position to where they're national. They were in the national title, or at least the college, maybe not the national title, but then the college football playoff hunt. They were there. That's gone now. This is not a this this team is out is eliminated from the playoff race at this point. Um, the resume is not going to be able to get there, and unless there's enough chaos elsewhere, there's just going to be too many roadblocks because I think. A 12-1 and North Carolina ACC champion with a loss to UVA is not getting in over an 11-1 and Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, whatever, who doesn't – who's, yeah, the, kind of the second team in the Big Ten, even, for example, let alone Pac-12 champ, regardless, um, at Texas, Oklahoma, a 12-1 and or 13-0 and Georgia. Um, so I think if you're North Carolina, just a disaster. Um, this defense – North Carolina's got a better defense this year, but and App State's okay, but they've had some disappointing they've had some letdown games against App State, against um UVA. I mean, you can't give up over four hundred yards to this UVA offense. You know, they were able to do a lot of things well in this game. I didn't get to see a lot of it. I was just mostly stunned to see that this was a game. And that then UVA was even to come from behind a little at halftime. After halftime. Um just extremely disappointing. And for an ACC that is definitely better this year, nationally this is a bad look for the conference. As much as dumb as we have to care about that type of stuff, it feels like, though we really probably shouldn't have to, but with the dumb time this sport is in, um, yeah, um, that was a big disappointment. And Georgia Tech, I think, also has to be on this list. I mean, I, I can't – I just – Jeff, I, I hope you, you maybe can – provide some counsel and advice on what Georgia Tech is right now because I, I, I'm, I'm puzzled you know you lose the Bowling Green you beat Miami I'll bet it was a freak way it all happened but still you you beat Wake Forest you lose to Boston College at home I or, or was I don't know if this game was at home or at BC but um, yeah I, yeah or at home yeah I, I, I just this team puzzles me this Georgia Tech team I, I I just don't think there's – it's just such a weird roller coaster. The games you want to think they're going to win, they win. The games they should win, they lose. Um, 
So a couple weird ones there. And, and Clemson, I think you have to mention as well. This has been a disappointing season for Dabo. Uh, you bring in Garrett Riley. They, they just have some issues. Um, they have some issues with the skill position guys uh, for Klubnik. And Klubnik, I mean, they did throw a lot of yards this game. I think Brenning School, we hadn't talked about it enough. And I think that's a guy they need to use more going forward. Um, but it's a Clemson year just ha team just having a – they're having a, a down year at a time when the ACC is actually getting stronger. Um, and we're seeing it. And I think Dabo's going to have to think about the portal and using the portal. And also, I think it may go beyond just – portal but the culture there's got to be some things I think he's got to look at and figure out what's off with this program because it feels like there's some things off a little with Clemson right now um, now I think some people will doubt that Dabo will be willing to make change but I mean he made the offensive coordinator change to go get Garrett Riley we look at the hires when he went and got Chad Morris and Brent Venables earlier in, early in his time at Clemson as the head coach so and then, of course, you got the positives. I think Florida State. Um, I know there will be many be like it was a little disappointing with that they were in it with Duke, but Duke's a scrappy team. I think we've seen that under Elko. They 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 are just scrappy as all get out. Um, they are tough. They are gonna they're gonna they're gonna they're not gonna let they're not gonna be played off the field unless you know you lose Riley Leonard. But Florida State grinded them out, and then when they saw their opening, they took advantage of it in a big time dominant way. And I think this is this Florida when this Florida State team is firing on all cylinders, things can get hairy quickly for opponents. I mean, twenty-one unanswered in the fourth. I mean, we I mean I we saw it a couple weeks ago with a not as good Tech team as this Duke team, um, and Florida State went out there and twenty-two owed them in the first quarter. So I think Florida State deserves more credit. UVA I think we've already mentioned a little, and Miami, you know this is a Miami team. The tides weren't going well. You know, Mario Cristobal embarrasses himself against Georgia Tech with the worst game management maybe of the 21st century in major college football um, in his decision not to kneel, which, by the way, I don't know how – that somehow is, hadn't been kneeling all season. That That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Um, but you lose that game that way. You lose at North Carolina last week. At this point, you have two ACC losses – Odds are you're not playing for an ACC championship this year. They're very low. So, you you know, you have Clemson coming in, a Clemson team that's starting to fire on all cylinders, and you get the job done at home, backs against the wall, needing to show, all right, are we folding as a team? Is this team about to fold here? And kind of, you know, we'll start to wonder if this team maybe is quitting after the debacle against Georgia Tech. They definitely aren't. With a backup quarterback, too, no Tyler Van Dyke. Um, it took a little bit for Emory Williams to get in that game. But once he did, Colby Young's a heck of a, you know, very talented Juco kid. I think a big target on the outside. That's helping as well when you have a guy like that. And at the end of the day, they found a way. They found a way. They're a better football team in the trenches this year. That's helping. I think Crystal Ball deserves a lot of credit that this team is better in the trenches this year. Um, and they found a way to get it done and bounce back. And now 5-2. and two. You could argue, you know, they could get back in the top 25 maybe eventually. They could go 8-4 and four, maybe finish in the top 25 this year. Um, so, I think Crystal Ball deserves a lot of credit. And Miami as a whole. I think that's a good sign if you're a Miami fan of the culture that they could have an utterly embarrassing loss, then just fall apart in the second half against North Carolina, and then come home 
against a Clemson program that knows what they're doing, bounce back. I mean, there's a good chance they're 7-2 and two when they play at Florida State. Um, might be the biggest Miami-Florida State game we've seen in a while in November this year. So I think Miami, they're the team of the week in the ACC. It's probably the Canes. Jeff, you guys have something to add, friend. Yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about what Tim said. If you know, the thoughts on, on on Georgia Tech, and I think you know the the stench of the 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 Jeff Collins era still hangs very much over the program, and I, I think the the players, and this is something Brent Key is just going to have. There's two things I think he's just going to have to somehow find a way to work through, and and one is. It's just how to carry momentum with that team. It's one of those things like you almost don't know what to do with your hands. Um, you know, when they when they win a game, they've they've really been unable to build any momentum. They they get too high after the wins, and and then they get too low during games when things start going sideways. So they you know they play Wake Forest, played a very good game on the road at Wake Forest, come back in a disaster against Bowling Green. You know he's able to build them up. You know, before the Miami game, and and even though there was the benefit of the of the of the crystal ball debacle, uh, they were they that they still played well enough to have an opportunity with that. You know, then come up with a great drive win. You know, and for two weeks, going into the bye game with with um, with Boston College, and the game was was uh, in Atlanta. You know, I, I think they definitely it wasn't a Bowling Green type situation. I think it, it was just a matter of, you know, they got defensive issues. Things start going sideways and they and they don't know how, how to handle it. And that's that's a team that just doesn't know how to win. And I, and I don't think Brent Key knows how to get them there right now. Um, he's he's going to have to develop that part of his coaching uh, ability on how to keep you know, when things go a little bit sideways during a game that they don't turn into an avalanche, that that's the, that's the fourth time this season that a team has went on a, a 17 point or more unanswered streak. And, you know, that has to do with issues on the defensive side of the ball. It has to do with an offense that, you know, is better, but, but can't sustain any drives. So, you know, it's, it, I think it's, it's, it's more mental than personnel, especially on the offense. With defense, there, there's definitely personnel issues, but uh, there's, there's just a lot of factors to that team. And I think number one, it's it's just mental. They just simply, you know, don't know how to win, you know, and build momentum, you know, when when things start going tough. You know, Miami game aside, I mean, it's not like they can't win a game at all, but. You know, I, I think you're starting to see more often than not that against quality teams, and, and I think Boston College is now becoming a quality team. Um, you know, Castellanos is becoming a massive headache as a quarterback, and, and you know, I'm going to be interested to hear your thoughts, um, uh, Tim, on, on him, uh, you know, later in the week or, or later in here. You know, I think it's, it's coming, uh, but you know, down to it. It could be Virginia Tech, Boston College, Syracuse kind of all fighting out, you know, for the bowl spots. But, um, you know, he's a quarterback that's really coming along. And I think also with Clemson, I think you nailed it about saying something was off. Uh, there is something really off with that team. Like you said, 
with the the lack of skill, position, talent, and speed, you know that's that's definitely apparent. But there's a lot of going back and forth with the players and the coaches, and then that's where it's really apparent that that something is off. I mean, you've got Will Shipley arguing with the, you know, his coaches a couple of weeks ago. You got Cade Klubnick, you know, going completely off script in overtime in the second overtime and running a play that wasn't called. Um, I mean, this, this, he's not Tom Brady back there. You know, I don't think he kind of, I don't know if he has that kind of leeway. I don't think he does because Dabo was, Dabo Sweeney, you know, made it a point, you know, we're not, he was trying to do too much. Uh, that's not the play we called. That's not a good look for a program trying to, you know, do a reset here. You got players and coaches just not on the same page. And, and so, you know, it's, it's running deeper there at Clemson than, than just a player or two here or, or coach, a coaching change here. I mean, they got real, they got real culture problems right now, I think at Clemson, which is strange because that was what the program was known for, for, you know, for almost a decade is the culture of Clemson and, and something's broken there right now. It's a weird situation. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, this is Clemson. Yeah, they're, they've been one of the standard bearers of great culture and a culture that can add a few points a game in a way and therefore get wins. And, you know, I think they've, they've slipped a little and maybe that's open to vulnerability up and there's some adversity that they're, they're fighting through from the highest of high standards that they had that, you know, they're not overcoming at, a Clems- at the Clemson level we became used to. I think it also helps, you know, that in the past, Clemson, for a little bit there, may have been able to get away at times with some things. Um, the ACC's gotten better, and I think we're, I think that's catching up. The coaching in the ACC, you look at Elko, you look at Brom coming, Jeff Brom coming in at Louisville, for example. Cristobal getting in at Miami, even if his game management may be the worst among Power 5 head coaches. Um, you look at these guys that have come in, Norvell at Florida State. Um, the quality and the caliber of coaching and program in the ACC is getting better after some of the nadirs that this conference hit. And the clubs have not been as good. They just haven't fired those all in cylinders. I think it's also meant that they've exposing. It might be, by the way, if this means, if Dabo can figure this out, this might be the biggest gift for Clemson in some ways because now everything is going to come to the surface. There's no hiding things anymore. There's no, well, we're skirt, we're gonna skirt by at eleven. You know, we're the best team still, and it's there's not much competition, so we're gonna skirt through at ten and two, win the ACC title game, and play in the Orange Bowl. Um, an eight and four year forces you to look at things, um, and th- you know that may be where they're headed, and I think that for the rest of the ACC, that could that could be a scary thing because this could be. Clemson 2.0 could come out of this. It wouldn't shock me. Um, as much as people like to say that Dabo isn't a guy for change, some of his some of the things that made him great were the changes that he made after the initial staff he hired and the coordinator changes he made. Um, so, and that's the thing also with Garrett Riley as well. Like the Clemson thing, that's bad. That's ooh. but let's give Garrett Riley some time here. Let's give him a second year. I, I think there are going to be people saying, well, Clemson's got it. They got the wrong guy. Look at Ohio State and Jim Knowles. That Ohio State defense was okay last year. 
um, after they went out and got Knowles after he had a great stint at Oklahoma State. But there are people like, okay, is it really improved under Knowles? Look at this defense in year two under Knowles and how he's built it up over time. Um, let's give Garrett Riley a little time as well uh, if you're a Clemson fan. I think you got to give him a little time. And I, I'm intrigued, like I said, on Boston College as well. Jeff, like you mentioned, Cassianos, I mean, it's a dual threat guy. He's, you know, there's a creativity. And now the question I think we're going to find out here in the coming weeks is, did Boston College just hit, run into a really soft part of their schedule, home against UVA, at an Army team that's trying, is overhauling their offense and is having some, you know, is having the growing pains with that, with Monken's kind of overhaul that they're doing? Um, and at a Georgia Tech team that, um, Jeff, as you mentioned, yeah, still is a Jeff Collins era program largely. It's still trying to correct and fix some things and try to, you know, turn things around. I mean, you, you could look at Virginia Tech some last year, for example, under Brent Pry and some just bizarre bad performances. And then the occasional, like, when they almost upset NC State on that Thursday night in Raleigh, which kind of came out of nowhere. Um, you know, sometimes you see that in the first year with a new coach trying to base, having to basically overhaul something that wasn't really working as well. So, but with that in mind with Boss College, yeah, we're going to find out about a lot about them. You know, UConn, probably not, but if they lose to UConn, then we take a step and hold on here. Uh, but Halfway might be saving his job. To his credit, if they get to a bowl game, I think he probably could save his job, and that would be huge for him. Um, and there's a path to it. Like I said, you beat UConn, then you just got to beat one of at Syracuse, home against Virginia Tech, at Pitt, and home against Miami, which I think they can find a win in there. They also could go 0-4 in that stretch, too, even with the way Cassiano's playing. They've definitely made strides, but how much is it just a soft stretch of the schedule? Yep, great points. Great points there, Tim. All right. Um, let's just <clears throat> slide into the, the next question here. Uh, what what ACC football game are you looking forward to the most in week eight? And uh, there, there's a pretty big one uh, for you all on Thursday night. Yeah, I mean, that Tech-Syracuse game, that's a big one uh, for Tech. Um, these next two weeks, and we'll, we'll get into Tech a little more here in a little bit, but these next two weeks are – it's a weird spot for Virginia Tech um, because if they can beat Syracuse and upset Louisville, there's a weird conversation that I can't believe that we would be having about Virginia Tech at that point. And there's some research about some ACC tiebreakers that I would have to start doing that would um, utter, utterly stun me um, in many ways, especially after where Tech was and you know seeing them lose at Marshall – um, and be at one and three and where things looked at at that point for this season. Um, obviously, if they can win that game against Syracuse, which I think is more of a toss-up than the three-point favorite that Tech is, um, you know, you're talking about a Tech team that can get to a bowl. This is a big game. Um, you have at BC and at UVA two games that Tech is going to be favored and should win with the way they're playing. So at, at BC looks trickier by the day. But then again, let's see how they play in a couple more games here. They're, you know, an interesting team to monitor. Um, but a step outside of that, I mean, you got to circle Duke at Louisville. I mean, who would have thought Duke at Louisville is a bigger football game than basketball game at this point um, in the ACC? I, it's, it's weird times, but, I mean, Jeff Rom has done a tremendous job in year one, I think, 
you know, I mean, it was I mean, it wasn't like he got a bad program from Satterfield, but goes and gets Jake Plummer, goes and gets Jamari Thrash, who's been phenomenal coming from Georgia State. Jahar Jordan's a playmaker, and then pit him against this Duke defense. Um, you know, there's some turnover issues um, that Plummer can have sometimes. I mean, he's got eight picks on the season. I think this Duke secondary could be very, even if they don't have Riley Leonard in this game, I think Duke is a threat. Um, I think they are absolutely a threat in this game. Um, I really think they could win it without Leonard, and if they do, um, watch out, because I think Duke could pull the upset, on paper upset based on the Vegas line in this game. That's going to be fascinating. And if and Duke can Duke run the football, you know? Even if they don't have Leonard, can they, you know, feed Jacquez more? Um, really make, make you know, and give Henry Boleyn some of the easy throws. I think that's the thing. You know, he struggles at NC State. Can you get him early in the game some check downs? Can you get him some screens? Some, you know, underneath crossing patterns? Things like that. I mean, it's going to be a riled-up environment in Louisville. It's going to be a riled-up environment. I mean, Louisville knows that the, everything is still there for the play for. They had the stunning upset loss to Pitt after the big win over Notre Dame, but Louisville can absolutely play for an ACC championship still this year. They are right there. The schedule sets up well. Home against Duke, home against Tech, Virginia Tech, home against UVA at Miami. It sets up well, and then, of course, home against Kentucky. I mean, they got four of their final five games here at home. Um, somehow only have – I mean, I, I don't know how they technically, I guess the Georgia Tech game was technically Atlanta, in Mercedes-Benz, so it was a neutral site there technically in some ways. But, you know, only a few true road games on the schedule for them this year. Um, it sets up well. But this is the big, this is the biggest hurdle coming up, I think, for them. At Miami's going to be tricky. Virginia Tech, come, if they get a big win over Duke, could a Virginia Tech team that has a couple extra days of prep maybe have something? I don't know, um, but this is a big one against Duke and Louisville, and it's a, it feels like an elimination game in some ways. Now, I think it is possible a 6-2 and two team could be the other team that plays Florida State in the ACC title, and yes, I, I think we can just go ahead and pencil in Florida State and the Charlotte um, for the ACC championship. Um, yes, Louisville or Duke if they fall, but then again, at that point, they're going to have a loss to, to Louisville or Duke. Um, they're going to have a tiebreaker issue there. Um, so I think this feels like an elimination game for the race to get to the, get to Charlotte, and it should be a great football game. Even if Riley Leonard isn't playing in it, I think it's going to be a great football game. All right, Tim. Um, let's let uh, which which ACC team could be on uh, upset alert in Week Nine if they are looking ahead to a game on their schedule or otherwise. Uh, just sleepwalking on the field, and one that that's already caught my eye was uh, Clemson opening up as a near ten. I think it's nine, but almost a double-digit favorite going into Raleigh. Yeah, that that stuns me. Um, I saw that line. Um, I may put some. <laughs> I may put a small bet over a Fanduel or something on that one. Um, yeah, I I know NC State's a mess right now. Um, there's no doubt NC State's a mess, but they've had a bye week. Maybe they'll try to get some things figured out. And Aniza, that's the thing. Dave Doran's a good coach. This defense is still good. Robert and I is still a pretty good offensive coordinator, and we've seen MJ Morris show a lot of potential. 
uh, skill positions are lacking on this team big time. Can they figure it out? Can they make this a low-scoring just dogfight? And how does Clemson respond after last week? They're 4-3 and three now. I mean, even the thin ACC, champ, ACC title game chances they had are gone now. It's all gone. Um, what is the motivation of this team? And, you know, yes, NC State's also down this year, but you know Raleigh is going to be rocking for the Textile Bowl. You know that place is going to be rocking. So, I, I, yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't know how this is a 10. I think this is a, a one-score game. Uh, the CW is going to get another entertaining game. By the way, who would have had thought that this game would end up on CW before the season? Um, I don't think anyone saw that coming. Um, but I think, yeah, NC State could definitely take down Clemson in this game. That's that's an interesting one. Do we have to mention Georgia Tech maybe hosting North Carolina? I mean, with the pattern of their season? I think North Carolina probably will cruise, but I, I guess you kind of, with the way they've been this year, maybe you have to <laughs> in some ways. And I will say, this is going to seem like the crazy one, but I'm still not sold yet. Like I said, the stretch of games they've ran through for Boston College. UConn is desperate for something to go right. They might be really bad. They might just straight up be really bad. They've started to show signs of a, maybe a little bit of life. In the past few weeks, I mean, they almost upset Utah State team. That's not bad. Beat Rice, comf beat Rice at Rice, close against a USF team that isn't great. But you know, it's a local game, regional game. They have some talent. I mean, I think they, you know, if you're UConn, you're looking for a win in the coming few games. You're not going to get at Tennessee or at JMU after this game. So maybe there's a little more motivation just to show something. Um, I would not pick UConn to be clear at all. And BC could easily cover this game, that 12-point spread. But I, I think if you want a big shock, there's a spot for a big shock that kind of throws every, that kind of leaves all of us scratching our heads on how that happened. Maybe just circle that game. Of course, this could age very poorly, and I could look crazy for saying that. But I think I do agree. Clemson, if there's an upset, a big spot, I think that NC State-Clemson game is, is the big spot there in terms of, NC State could just straight up win that game um, in front of riled up crowd. Um, let's see how they respond after the offensive mess they were at Duke and when Peyton Wilson after the game said this team needs to get with the program, which is a massively concerning statement to hear from a veteran leader on that team. But let's see what happens. All right, Tim, they're good stuff. Um, let's step out of the ACC for a bit here. Which national FBS game are you looking forward to, to in week nine? And we're wide open with this question. This can be a power five, non-power five, or you can even have an FCS matchup and then give us your winner of the game or games if there's other ones on your on your mind. Yeah, you know, there, I'll, I'll pick one of these, I will say. But the one I have to mention in the, in the midweek, probably the biggest midweek game in the country, Liberty Western Kentucky on Tuesday night on ESPNU. Um, this is gonna these are these feel like the two programs along with Jacksonville State right now that are the faces of this whatever you want to call this new look conference USA, which is basically a whole bunch of <laughs> whole lot of new schools in it. Um, high powered Austin Reed offense. Liberty's seven and zero, but are they that good? I don't think they're as good as they were last year, but that might not matter. Um, game in Bowling Green. That's that's an underrated game on the on the radar this week. 
in the national picture um, that has big stakes in that conference race. I think that's for some Tuesday night football. That's that's some big Tuesday night football there. I think you got to talk about Oregon Utah um, elimination game in the Pac-12. Uh, Utah team that owns USC um, just came off a big win. That offense is showing signs of life. They're figuring things out. That's a well-coached program from Whittingham to the coordinators Andy Ludwig, Morgan Scally. It's a well-coached program. It's a program with a lot of character, culture, all of that. Against an Oregon team that is quite good. This is a really good Oregon football team. That seems to be on another level. But this game's in Salt Lake City. And that is not a place I'd, I want to go um, if I'm Oregon. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it. I would much rather, obviously, of course, you'd always much rather be at home. But that's probably near the bottom of the list of places I would want to have to play a road game in the Pac-12 at. Um, in its final year. I tell you, what a, what a way to go out for that conference, by the way. Best conference in the country probably this year. Um, what a way for that league to go out. Um, I, that feels like a toss-up of a game. I know Oregon's a six-point favorite. I think I have to lean the Ducks just because I think Utah's offense is making improvements, but I think actually playing a good defense or a real defense. Um, Bryson Barnes, I, I like what he can do, but I think Oregon can get it done. I, they figured, you know, they kind of slept walk a little earlier against Washington State, figured it out. So I, I really am intrigued by that game. Um, I think game day made the right choice going there. That's a huge game. Another kind of sleepery, I'm not going to make a pick, but Miami, Ohio, and Ohio against Ohio in the MAC. Miami coming off a loss to Toledo last week. That feel, this feels like an important game to determine maybe the other team that will face Toledo maybe in the MAC championship. So. It's kind of a lighter slate in at the highest levels of the sport, but in some of those, you know, even the lower group of five leagues, there's some interesting games. I'll tell you this, Oregon State at Arizona. Oregon State's only a three-and-a-half point favorite. Arizona has been just fascinating. I think Jed Fish, is, they're, they're getting that program right there out in Tucson. Um, four and three, but barely lost at Mississippi State. Maybe should have won that game. Barely gave Washington and USC all that they could whooped Washington State. Arizona's showing some life. Um, I, that's going to be a fascinating game. And for Oregon State, obviously, they're still right in that hunt in the Pac-12. They're a really good football team. That's going to be a test, though, on the road at Tucson. That game, you know, that'll be a fired-up stadium. That's going to be an underrated, um, underrated game. So there's a lot of interesting games. I know the national attention beyond Oregon-Utah. You know, it's going to go to like Ohio State, Wisconsin, which you know, it's, that game is not going to be pretty, cl not going to be close. Uh, uh, nope. <laughs> Colorado, UCLA, just because of Dion, because, you know, ratings, I guess, or something look good for them. Dion's done a great job there. UCLA is going to take care of business in that game. And it's dumb that that's the ABC primetime game, though. Honestly, it's, a, it's not a great week. It's not a great week in terms of big, big matchups. I will say Oklahoma at Kansas. I don't know a lot of the status of Jalen Daniels over there at Kansas. I know he's missed some games. I don't know if he, they think he can play, if he can, in that game. Circle that game as a potential upset alert. I know Oklahoma got a wake-up call last week against a John Reese Plumley getting healthy for UCF, which really helped that team. But that'll be a juiced-up environment in Lawrence next week, uh, or this week. Uh, if Kansas – and even with Bean, Jason Bean at quarterback, I think they could – give Oklahoma some issues. I think Oklahoma's good. I think Venables is still building that thing up. I don't think – I think they found they found a way to win against Texas. I don't think they're better than Texas. 
And I think they could be vulnerable to a Kansas this week. I, that, that nooner on Fox is going to be a fascinating game. I think there could be an upset there in Lawrence. I think I'd pick Oklahoma, but there could be an upset there. All right, Matthew, I think you've got something you want to add here. Yeah, Tim, just real quickly, what about ODU at JMU? I mean, there's going to be some old-fashioned hate in that game, right? Yeah, that it's it's an underrated fun game. Um, I think JMU should comfortably take care of business in that game. But you know what? It's you know JMU is firing on all cylinders. I think it's tremendous. It's a shame. The NCAA's got to find a way to say if you hit me, if you hit these metrics, okay, on your way you can play in a bowl game because JMU's won the highest funded group of five teams in the country anyway. Um, I mean it's absurd the thought that they're you know in some not ready state. Um, same thing with Jacksonville state, that program seems clearly ready. Um, and not just a one year thing that we'll see, but, um, feels like there should be a little more flexibility and maybe a waiver should have been given And ODU, you know, Ricky Ronnie deserves credit. Um, you know, when he got himself a new offensive coordinator from Fordham, um, knew some things needed to be fixed up and they're playing better. Um, Gave Wake Forest a big scare. Use some turnovers again that. Just beat App State at home last week. That is a that is a huge win for Ronnie and ODU. Um, huge win. I tell you this, it's going to get tough here. It's going to get tough. At JMU, Coastal, at Liberty, at Georgia Southern, and home against Georgia State. It's, it's going to get tough. They may not get the six wins. They may close out with only one more win. They could get the six, though. That would be huge if they can get to a bowl game. That would be huge for Ronnie if they get there. Um, Coastal feels like one they have to win at home. Um, weakest team on the schedule probably by far remaining. But it'll be it'll be an interesting game. You know, ODU might be able to make it interesting for a little bit, but I think JMU is just a machine. And I think that crowd will be a little fired up in Harrisonburg uh, for a little in-state action. And the fact that it's at ESPNU is actually pretty cool for the Commonwealth of Virginia, I think, too. I think that's great, and I think I think that's great for the Sun Belt. I think that's great for the Commonwealth of Virginia. And by the way, the Sun Belt, phenomenal league. I think the Sun Belt, the way they've positioned themselves to become maybe the best group of five conference out there, the Mountain West probably ending up with Washington State and Oregon State, you know. But the Sun Belt went from in the previous realignment, you know, to being when they were like the worst, looking left for dead at times, to what they've become by creating – a conference with a lot of just passionate fan base, a lot of, a lot of fan bases and programs that want to win in football. Um, you know, that may not be in big media markets, but have great brands, have good brand, have just good brands because they 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 win, they win football games, and some good regionality. I think I think it's a little overhyped in some ways the Sun Belt's regionality, but there's a lot of good regionality within the divisions too. I think it, it's a league that makes sense divisionally too. Um, like I said, with Marshall, JMU, ODU, Coastal, Georgia State's and Georgia Southern, App State, a lot of these schools that also got old uh, FCS rivalries and schools like Troy and South Alabama and Louisiana. And it, it's a, it's proven to be a great a great conference, um, a really fun conference. And this should be a fun game. This could easily be a high – a much – let's call it a much more offensive game compared to the JMU-Marshall game last week where JMU's punter. By the way, he's, he deserves a ton of credit. Maybe he should be the national player of the week. Seven punts and he'd get him down to all inside the 10. 
that's one of the great single-game punting performances maybe of all time. Um, that's tremendous by that guy last week at Marshall. But that should be a fun one. And good on ESPNU, yeah. Good for that game being on television. Honestly, that might be the game worth watching in the night in the evening window. That might be that or ten, you know, maybe get get the uh, ESPN, you know, the the multi view that I get with YouTube TV should hopefully have that and Tennessee Kentucky um, and a couple other games too. Amen, brother. Amen, brother. Uh, Jeff, go ahead. You're up. All right, Tim. Uh, what what is your evaluation thus far of of both Commonwealth teams of Virginia uh, in the ACC, Virginia and Virginia Tech. Yeah, well, I'll start with Virginia before we get into the Hokies. I'll, I'll touch on them real quick here. I, I, this was big. Um, I think this was huge for them to beat North Carolina. They're showing some – this is this is a first sign of life. Now, this is this a fluke? You know, a fluke they figured out for one week, and then we'll see. I have my doubts. I think this is still probably the worst team in the conference. But they found a way to get a win and, and pull off a top 10 upset. Um, we'll see. It'll be very interesting to see how they play at Miami. And then Georgia Tech is, will be a very interesting game. Probably the more interesting game to see, all right, where is this team at under Elliott? Um, because there hasn't been a lot, you know, they've always, obviously that program's been through a lot in the past year. But even before, but before that um, and, and post, there has been a lot of good around this program under Elliott. They've, they've had a lot of struggles. I don't think they've gotten recruiting traction either as Pry has really done a lot better of that in in state um there's just not a lot of buzz around that program at all um in any facet this was a huge win let's see I, i'm i'm a little more in hold but i still have a lot of doubts uh for tech look this is what you wanted to see on the field the past few weeks they've gotten better this is a team that's gotten better from the one and three start it feels like this offense has an identity of being physical, of running the football, of finding ways, getting your playmakers in space, getting Jalen using screens for guys like Jalen Lane, getting swing passes to Bayshul Tude and other guys like that. It feels like an offense that has an identity. They still have issues. That offensive line is bad. Maybe they've gotten a tad better, but they're going to have to portal on the offensive line big time and get a few guys in there. They have some big issues still there. Having a dual threat guy like Kyron Jones who's getting more comfortable, who has an offense that fits him, um, who's playing well. I think one of the biggest things I took away watching that Wake Forest game, he did a lot of things well within the structure of the offense. And when he needed to get out, make some plays and scramble, um, he was effective. He made some really nice plays. And I think we we can say this is not a fluke with Wade, the way they beat Pitt, the way they beat Wake Forest, the resilience and fight they showed against Florida State, a team that's way more talented than them. I mean, that was a game for – you know, after 22 a start, they fought their way back. Need a little special teams to get in it, but they clawed their way back. They found ways to get back in that game. Um, the run defense, which was a huge issue, specifically with just giving up the home run play, um, has been cleaned up. I think we can say it's better now than it was at the start of the season with the way they played against Pitt and Wake Forest. And and you know, Florida State wasn't didn't look great in between those two games, but Florida State. Having those issues against Florida State is different from having those issues against Ruck, against Rutgers. Or Marshall. I'll bet that Marshall running back, Rasheen Ali, is probably one of the ten best running backs in America, period. Um, that kid is incredible. And if he transferred up, he would probably have 
he transferred, he'd probably have an offer, have an offer from every program in America, including even probably Clemson, even, you know, even past Davo Clemson, um, just because of how talented that kid is at Marshall. But this was a big one against Syracuse. If this team's get to a bowl, I think there's been a lot of talk of, well, if this team doesn't get to a bowl now, it's disappointing. I don't think it is. This team goes 5-7, and seven, which is what I predicted before the season. That's a great – I think if you're a Tech fan, you should feel good about what you've seen on the field and the progress they made. doesn't mean there maybe shouldn't still be some changes in some areas, but I think you can feel good. I think we – you know, I think the past few weeks have kind of quelled, all right, should there be changes or not? Let's see the full 12 games. You know, we don't need to make you – know, we don't need to force a change when this is a rebuild and we're still building data with a better roster now. This is a roster that's much better. Um, so this is a big game. This game at NC State, um, it feels like are two big. You need to get one because, it, you know, if you're Tech, you're superior to Boston College and UVA. Those are still a bit – Boston College does confound me a little, but um, those are still – those feel like still bottom-tier teams along with maybe Georgia Tech or maybe Pitt this year in all honesty. But if you're Tech, if you can get one of those two and you take care of business against BC and UVA, that's a bowl game. That would be tremendous under Brent Pry. And you have this weird situation where you beat Syracuse on Thursday night in what should be a raucous lane stadium, Thursday night game, and then you find a way to upset Louisville, which, to be clear, I'm not betting on that at all. <laughs> I might pick Tech to lose both of those games, to be honest. Um, you know, but to get back to that before – you know, before we get back to that, if they can win those two games, we got to have a serious conversation about Virginia Tech playing in Charlotte this year. Um, because they win those two at BC at UVA with a home game against NC State in the middle is very winnable. Even now, this is a team that is still rebuilding and is prone to a dumb slip up, a bad slip up somewhere they shouldn't have. That wouldn't be shocking. Um, but let's see if they can get through these for these next two. Syracuse is going to test them. Uh, Garrett Schrader, you know, like I said, Tech's run defense hasn't improved, but Garrett Schrader is going to test him with his legs. There is no doubt about it. He is going to provide a stiff test with what he can do running the football. So if you're Tech, you got to find a way to contain Schrader in that rushing attack. If you do, you probably win this football game. If you don't, Syracuse probably wins this game. <laughs> it seems a little reductive to say, it's going to come down to Tech's run defense versus Syracuse rushing attack, but it really is. I was about to ask you that, Tim. Uh, that's a, that was my follow-up question. I mean, do you think that Virginia Tech can stop that rushing attack? Because I have serious, I have serious questions about about about. Yeah, and I've been the guy. It's funny. I've been one of the guys saying this run defense isn't as bad before their clear improvements. Saying this run defense isn't as bad as you think because it hasn't. But I do have some concerns coming into this matchup because, yeah, Schrader can do a whole lot with his legs. But if you can contain him, you can slow him down, you can, if you can make him beat you with his arm, you have the, the secondary to cover these guys effectively. And Schrader's not a great passing quarterback. He's not. Um, obviously, we've seen some things at times um, from Schrader. Um, infamously back in 2021 inside Lane Stadium. But if you can contain the, this rushing attack of Schrader and LaQuint Allen, if you can contain them if you're Tech, you're probably going to give up some chunk plays. You prevent the home run play, 
limit the damage, you win this football game, I think. Um, I think you can absolutely win this football game against a Syracuse team that this is going to be an important barometer game for them. Um, they had that great start, 4-0, but they beat Colgate, a Western Michigan team that's in a massive rebuild. They won at Purdue, which um, has been up and down in their first year under new coach. Um, but credit to them, that was a pretty decent win. They beat an Army team that at home that is still fixing their offense, and then they got routed at home against Clemson, at North Carolina, at Florida State. This is a team they've I, they've had moments where they've been in some adversity within games and some margins maybe closer than, or some final scores that are wider than maybe the margins were, but they haven't been in a lot of adversity. I mean, there's no one-score games either way, and this feels like a one-score game. And so a team that hasn't experienced adversity playing on the road in a hostile environment on a Thursday night, that could get a little dicier. Um, that that's gonna be an interesting to monitor in this game, and I think Texas offense obviously has got to try to. There are things they got to try to do, obviously as well. They got to look at what Florida State and others did. Um, and I think Kyron Drones. You look at like I said, Jordan Travis, what he did. You know, Drones and the dual threat abilities help in this matchup, and it's gonna obviously it's gonna go beyond just can Syracuse run the football against Tech or not. But I think whoever wins that battle, there's a very good chance that team wins the game, and. You know, for Tech, there's everything's a play for. That's a that's the weird thing. Everything's a play for. You have momentum. Can you build off the bye, off the week off? It's a little short of a of a gap between games because of Thursday night. Can you build off that? And for Syracuse, can you reset as well after the struggles they've had? Can they hit the reset button, turn this thing on? Because Syracuse could really finish the season strong if they refine their form. I mean, you think about it at Virginia Tech. Boston College, Pitt, at Georgia Tech, Wake Forest. Babers can go eight and four. If they figure this thing out, they can go eight and four, seven and five, or eight and four over those five games. If they don't, you know, and they and they and they have a losing record, they're gonna be some uncomfortable conversation, I think, up in Syracuse this year. Because that's gettable. That's very gettable if you're Syracuse. Um, so this is a fascinating game. Um Another barometer to see the progress of Brent Pry in the rebuild. Um, and a barometer to see can Syracuse turn things around and get their season back on track after the great after the great start against a weak schedule, but a great start they still had. Can they get it back on track? Um, you know, as the team that's at the bottom of the ACC for Syracuse, they're not going to – they're out of the ACC title hunt. There's no way for them to get to Charlotte. But can they get to a bowl game? Um, same thing for Tech. Can they get to a bowl game? And like I said, if they win this week, we have a fascinating conversation going into Louisville next week of all of a sudden, especially if Louisville beats Duke, we have another ACC championship elimination game. And if Tech wins these next, like I said, if Tech wins these next two, we're talking about some crazy conversations because Tech and North Carolina don't play each other this year. And if both win out, after that, somehow, and I'm talking crazy, and I, I think I'm going to lose my mind. So, Matthew, Jeff, one of you, please cut me off before I completely go crazy. <laughs> okay. Went out. The common opponents thing becomes the tiebreaker. And in that scenario, Tech has a one-game advantage because North Carolina doesn't play Florida State, and Tech would have a win over UVA that North Carolina doesn't have. And 
I, I think I've I've gone delusional at this point. So that's pretty. About. That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny because somebody because contacted Jeff yesterday, and I thought it was kind of funny saying like, "Yeah, you know, if Virginia Tech wins out, there's a we're, we're going to be talking about a Virginia Tech trip to Charlotte," and both of us were kind of like. I was kind of chuckling in my mind because only a tech fan would be that analytical and engineering, right? Other than somebody from from Clemson. I can't believe it. It's not going to happen. But I know, I know. It it was pretty funny. Somehow it's there, and it's (laughs) somehow it's there. And there's even nationally. I think Josh Pate, for example, mentioned tech as, "Hey, they're alive still in this thing in the ACC." It's it's. it's, (laughs) I have no words. I, I didn't see. If you would have told me that um, after they were one and three at Marshall, yes, even with Pitt and Wake Forest being a little down this year, if you would have told me that that we'd be having, we'd be even able to mention that, uh, I I would have thought you were lost your mind. And I, yeah, uh, if you would have told me that before, uh, yeah, if you had told me at any point prior to Tech beating Wake Forest, I would have thought you're crazy. So. Uh, college football. You got to love the sport. You got to love the sport. One quick follow up here, and then we'll go to the open mic. Uh, so both of us, and I think we had this in common that both of us, Tim, had had tech at five, at five and seven. Uh, I also, at the beginning of the season, didn't think that NC State's offense would be as bad as it is. I missed that by probably by about five miles, to be frank. Uh, of clear, you know, clear. I, 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 some would say the fog of war, right? That you can't even see what's what's happening in front of you, right? And do you think that Virginia Tech has a a, a better chance now to make it to a bowl than you did at the beginning of the season? I mean, do you think it could? Do you think it? There's a real possibility that it could happen. Happen, and we could both be wrong about. It. Yes and no, no, just because I do think this team is is still this team. I think there's clear progress made, um, that, but I thought that anyway. I still think you know Syracuse and NC State are still. Syracuse is a matchup issue, potentially, with that running game. You've got to go to Boston. I mean, you should win at Boston College at UVA, but this is still a rebuilding team. Um, NC State is still a good program, and of course Louisville's top twenty-five team are very, you know having having a very good year and a very good team. Um, but yes, at the same time, because. Like I said, this is not the team that lost to Purdue. This is not the team that lost to Marshall. It's not the team that got beat pretty soundly by Rutgers. Um, this is a much better football team right now. They're not great, but they've gone from bad to mediocre. And at least, at least mediocre. We'll find out in the next couple of weeks if they've continued to make improvements or if they're even better than we realized in some of those games. But they've made some improvements. And, yeah, NC State, yeah, I, I – I think I picked them third or fourth on my preseason ACC ballot this year, part of the media poll. Um, so hopefully, please give me another vote next year. Uh, hopefully, I won't make an error of that. I won't have something that gets proved that wrong. I also had Clemson winning the league over Florida State. I wasn't ready to jump on Florida State yet. That obviously has aged terribly, um, aged like milk. So, um, yeah, I think, I, you know, NC State, it's been a mess offensively. Syracuse, what are they? Um, I'm not buying Boston. I still think Boston College, UVA are probably in the two of the bottom three or so teams in this league. Still, Boston College, though, who knows at this point? Because there's a there's a, there's that top tier of five or six teams, or six teams with Florida State at the top, and then Duke, Louisville, North Carolina, Miami, Clemson. 
Um, and then there's a whole weird amalgamation of whatever everything else in the league is this year, um, which, by the way, is progress for the ACC still. <laughs> That's still progress to have that type of top six. Um, then again, we might be talking about if Virginia Tech does some things the next couple of weeks here, we might be talking about a top seven. We might have to. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's it's there at the same time. It's there. There's more toss-up games and whatnot and games that Tech should win down in the second half of the schedule than I foresaw before this season. The same. Me way. too, man. Me too. I'm, w- I'm, w- I'm with you. One last follow-up on Virginia Tech. Uh, it seems like Virginia Tech has its quarterback in drones. You can't tell me that they could think about flipping that and putting putting and starting and starting Wells next year. Do do, do you don't think that that could happen? Do you? I don't think. I don't. I think drones is there. Like I said, I mean, the, even the depth chart now shows drones as number one and Wells as number two, and I, I just don't see you going the other way, especially because I think this is what Tech wants to be under Bowen and Pry. Um, I think this is what they want to be a dual threat type QB. I think. And Wells can do some things with his legs. And he might, at his best as a passer, maybe has a higher ceiling in some ways than Drones. But I think Drones, the gap between Drones and Wells as a passer is not as big as some of my colleagues think. I actually don't think it's that much. I think Drones has shown. There's some decisions he made against Wake Forest that uh, were like, uh, you, you, there's, there's growth but to be done here. There's still some growth to be done here. But... Yeah, I, I just can't imagine now with what we've seen from drones, how he's continued to get better, how this offense just seems to be humming. This just seems to be what Tech kind of wants to be in many ways, and or at least a, a lot of what Tech wants to be. I think they still got to fix the offensive line. Um, I think there were choices that were made, and then you had an offensive line coach change, and you were, and you were kind of locked into a choice that maybe a different coach wouldn't have gone down in terms of, using the portal or being patient and that kind of shot you in the foot versus not with Joe Rudolph and his very meticulous approach that isn't great for the portal necessarily. But I think you're going to see Tech be aggressive with offensive linemen in the portal. I think they have to be. I think they have to go get a few guys. Um, but, yeah, I, I can't imagine Drones not being the guy, regardless of who, you know, the offensive line next year. I can't imagine Drones not being the guy at this point. And, you know, Wells will have to make a decision as well. Does he try to compete in the spring for the job? Because I don't think they'll. I don't think they'll rule it out. Like if Wells can show something, show growth, okay. Like if he can show some more consistency, because I think he, before he got hurt, I think there were signs that he had made progress. And I don't know how much that affected him in the second half. I think in hindsight, when he struggled in the second half against Purdue, it was clear looking back at the tape, he was hurt, and it was affecting him in a big way. Uh, and they and I think that's one thing. If Tech, if Brent probably could do that over again, I bet he pulls Wells a lot sooner because he clearly was not capable of playing it the way he should have, um, or can. But yeah, I, I think this is the drone show going forward. Open microphone, Tim. What do you got for us, Tim? Yeah, you know, I think one of the things I've seen some people talk about. I think it's a great point nationally is there's one thing to you know talk about tv ratings in a you know it's exciting to see more fans in the sport let's celebrate that but we've gotten to such this reductive state 
I, I think one of the podcasts, Flip Flip Zone Duo, some of the people over there, Stephen Godfrey especially, one of the national people over there, big fans of them and um, some and some of these I don't always agree with them, but I think they have good opinions. I think one of the good ones that he mentioned specifically over there, and I so I'll, I'll I'll point out more is we've gotten too obsessed with things like TV ratings in this era where we're desperate for TV money, where there's fears of this Super League, which we're getting scarily closer because TV executives are the wheel at the wheel, and I think as Stuart Mandel at the Athletic, I listened to a different podcast mentioned this, but we have a sport right now, and I think we as fans and media and everything are getting too obsessed with the ratings, which is what we shouldn't be doing because we should be covering the stories of what the fans want, of what the people who love this sport want, and trying to addict because that's what makes the sport great, you know? doesn't mean when new fans in, they shouldn't bring, be able to bring in new stuff, but we know what makes the sport great, and it's not what how many – we're not worried about necessarily about TV ratings, and, um, and I think it's just – as he wrote, um, you know, the TV executives are worried about the Giants fan in Queens, what they want to watch, not what the Oregon State fan wants. Um, and Corvallis, who takes his son to football games. It's a sad sp- state, our leaders, but we don't have to. We don't have to, as fans, as media, we don't have to cover that. We can cover the good of the sport because that's what's built the sport. Um, you know, the Dion thing, yes, there's some – people who don't know a lot about the sport who are talking. Um, but it's exciting to see them get in into this, and it's exciting to see the, the excitement about the Colorado. They're not, not a top-10 brand in the sport. It's exciting to see what Oregon State's done this year and become, you know, the, the way they've rebounded. Exciting to see what Duke has done, um, even if their fan support may not be the biggest, but it's exciting to see. There's so many great stories for it. Brands, teams like Florida State being back, Washington, what a great story that is. The Pac-12 and its renaissance at its, you know, it's this, this, this renaissance at the very end of the Pac-12. Um, it's a shame that we've become so obsessed with TV ratings and, you know, because everybody's afraid of the ACC crumbling and all that and can Virginia Tech in lifeboat and, it's scary that we're heading towards that. I, I hate that we're probably heading towards that, and that is probably what tech or all these schools are going to have to figure out. It's terrible. It's bad for the sport. Um, it's we, This is a time where it's tragic that there's no commissioner of college football to get in the way of this, the, the, to kind of put the TV executives in their place a little and protect the interests of the sport. Um, you know, I, I grew up a NASCAR fan as well. And I've seen what happens when you take start to take away things and in the chase of TV ratings or other things like that. Um, and that sport declined. There's plenty of diehards still around it. And it's still a great sport, but they lost a lot of things. Um, I don't know. If, I don't, hopefully college football won't. I don't think it necessarily will. But, you know, we don't have to treat it like the TV executives are being obsessed with TV ratings and things like that. Um, you know. There's so many great stories in the sport. And and like I said, I, I think, you know, we should be rooting in some ways for the ACC to survive. Whether you're a Clemson fan, a Florida State fan, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, all the way down to Boston College, Pittsburgh, Syracuse, our friends that are going to be joining us from SMU, St- Stanford, and Cal, which welcome, but also I think it's dumb. Sorry, guys. But <laughs> though I do look forward to the Texas barbecue. The barbecue in this league continues to get better. 
um, adding Texas barbecue into all the southeastern barbecue, Virginia, the Carolinas, Georgia, all that. That's that's good. That's a positive uh, for the league. Um, SMU might actually be the best of the, these three additions, even though all of them make no sense. But, you know, I think we should still want the ACC to survive. Um, there's no reason why we shouldn't. Uh, this sport needs conferences. This sport needs a lot of different voices. This is not a 2030 team. This is not – it's, you know, people talk about promotion relegation. Maybe that would be fun. I don't know. Maybe. And if we're going to go down this path, Find a way to separate it out as college as football only conferences, and let's fix everything else we've damaged in basketball and other sports um, by these moves. Let's fix that. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. But guess what? We have an incredible football season right now. This is an incredible season. The SEC might get shut out of the playoff. It's feasible that the SEC doesn't get a playoff team this year. That is incredible. There is incredible. There are eight to ten teams at the top of this sport this year who could all win the national championship. This is this is an this is one of the best seasons we've had in a long time in this sport. With there may not be an elite team, but there are a lot of really good teams. And there's a lot of chaos going on. Even if there's not been a lot of like UVA over UNC type upsets this year. Um, so I, I'd beg if anyone's listening, fans, the sport, like. Let's not let's not worry about the TV ratings and the realignment crap. Let's just enjoy this season. And by the way, all those realignment things on Twitter, all those rumors, quote unquote, you know, from random people, maybe they're hearing that from someone. I don't know, but it's yes, all these teams are, you know, Clemson. Shocker! Many of these teams are looking at their future. Not a shock. The sport's in chaos right now. The sport's unstable. But it's probably not going to play out this way. And with the, all these TV deals, it's probably not going to play out until 2030 anyway, at the earliest with the next moves anyway, till around the next TV media cycle. So enjoy it. we got a great season. The 12-team playoff, I think, is going to be a lot of fun as well. Um, there's going to be a lot of meaningful games. There's a lot of meaningful games right now all over the sport. We talked about Western Kentucky, Liberty. I mentioned that earlier. Miami of Ohio against Ohio this week. There's so much meaningful football being played played across the sport this year. Very good takes, Tim. Very good takes, Tim. I'm going to go through my open mic really quickly before, and I'm going to ask you another question, Tim, before we go to Jeff. And I'm just going to consider this the lightning round. I lived in Seattle several years ago when Husky Stadium was rocking, and it was the end. There were years when that place was so deafening that you could see the you could see the ground shake in Seattle. It's if you've been, if you've seen the Husky Stadium in Seattle, you see the mouth of it open to Lake Washington. It really is one of the most gorgeous football stadiums in the country. And I've long hoped that Virginia Tech would set up a home and home with Seattle just so people could go out there to that stadium. It is that gorgeous. And it's one that I hope happens in the future. I saw a Washington team last night, Tim and Jeff, that I think could lose two more games this season because Washington has no rushing attack by choice, I might add. Might might add. They have absolutely no rushing attack to speak of. They are completely a spread passing sort of team. And, you know, to be fair to Washington, 
They have what many people think could be an NFL quarterback. They for sure have two offensive linemen that are going to play in the NFL, and they have some NFL receivers on that team. So they have some quality talent on that team, but they are one-dimensional, very much one-dimensional at times. And, Tim, I want to run through the schedule for you here that Washington has left because I've talked with Jeff about this several times on Twitter and several other folks, too. This is really one of the toughest schedules in the country. I mean, outside of playing Stanford next week, which I think will be a win for a Washington, this is Washington's November. They go on the road to USC. That's a Saturday night game on November 4th. It's really going to be, that'll be it. I, 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 you know, it says TBD now, but I believe that's going to be a Saturday night game. I believe that's one that everybody in the country is going to be watching. Then they have Utah at home on, on, vet, on Veterans Day. Then they go to they go to Oregon State on the 18th. Then they close the season against their Apple Cup opponent, Washington State at home. This is a barn burner schedule, Tim. I believe they're going to beat Stanford, but you you know with their performance against California against um, Arizona State this week, who knows what's going to happen there? But I still believe that they're going to beat Stanford. But that month of November, Tim, how many wins is Washington going to get? Because I believe they need to be undefeated to get into the college football playoff, but I'm going to be fair fair to them too, Tim. If they're undefeated, they they will have the number one seed. So the floor is yours, Tim. I want to hear I want to hear about the Huskies because I think I think they've been impressive, but I got had a lot of concerns on Saturday. Yeah, I'm gonna actually. I think I think they can get in with one loss this year. I think the Pac-12 champ, with, especially with Washington, I think it's about as good of a path as any um, for a Pac-12 champ be the best i think a, i think if it come say it came down to a one loss pac 12 champ versus a one loss georgia scc champ ooh, I, I think it's we're in crazy town but i think washington has the better resume um and, I, and by the way i i think it's a tough schedule there's no doubt but you look at usc usc's defense is bad it is again bad and i think washington could put a 50 and i think they had a letdown game, but they found a way to scrap out. Uh, they found a way to scrap and claw and win. That game's going to be a shootout against USC, but Washington's defense has a pulse. Their defense is not – maybe won't set the world on fire, but it's pretty decent. And I think – yeah, I think that that's going to be a tough game, but, you know, USC's got issues defensively. Uh, Utah at home, that game being at home is huge. Um, when you can lean on those home fans – It'll be rocking in Seattle. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I think they can definitely, you know, it's much better that that game is in Seattle than Salt Lake City, unlike Oregon. At Oregon State, it's going to be tricky. Um, you know, I mean, the final two weeks, you got the two Pac-12 teams that uh, have been abandoned by everybody. Um, so, you know, especially in Corvallis, they're going to be angry. There are probably a bunch of Washington State fans who try to get tickets, but it's a very good game very good thing for Washington that 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 game is not in Pullman um it's in Seattle I think they went three or four I think that I think I think they went at least three or four I think they could win out I think they could go into the Pac-12 championship game 12 and 0 I know last night was not pretty but that happened I mean look at Florida State against Boston College it's a good point that's a very good point and I do agree but they they are they do have a couple running backs who are averaging you know, five, six yards a carry as well. And I, I think that offense of that passing, that Adunze, Roma Dunze is a 
first-round type talent, Polk, McMillan. It's a really good um, passing attack. And now Penix has had his moments. He's not a perfect player, but I think – and you have a Kalen DeBoer who knows how to win. This guy's won at all levels of the sport. Fresno State – I got to look it up on my laptop here, but um, I can't remember where else he – He was in Sioux Falls. Sioux Falls. There we go. <laughs> I should have known. You know I remember <laughs> that. <laughs> I, I should have known. I mean, and I, I think about it. I'd, yeah, I'd look it up right now, but, I mean, he's a three-time NAIA champion. You know, he won three championships in five seasons as a head coach there. I mean, he's only on three. He's 67-3. This guy knows how to win. DeBoer knows how to win. Um, and he's also worked with, you know, he knows Penix from, you know, he was an OC for a year in Indiana before he got the Fresno State job. Um, so he's he's been with Penix in a way for a while. So he knows how, how to get the Penix right after a bad week, I think. And so it would not shock me if they lose one. It would not shock me if they go undefeated either. Even against this tough schedule, I think they're that good. Um, you know, and I think a one-loss Washington or a one-loss Oregon or, or a one-loss Utah Pac-12 champ has a very good chance can get in the college football playoff. I mean, even like I said, Utah, for example, you look at them. I mean, say they beat Oregon, they win at Washington and win out and then win the Pac-12 championship. They have a win over Florida at Baylor. They have a win over UCLA. That's a darn good resume. That's a really good resume. Even Oregon State. That's the thing. So many of these teams, all these teams have got one loss. You know, Oregon State with Washington and at Oregon. And then you go win a Pac-12 championship. Wins over Utah and UCLA, too. It's pretty good. So, but also they might end up producing an 11-2 champion. And this is a perfect reason why a 12-team playoff is great. because It's going to be great because, you know, we might have a year with you know, now it wouldn't have been an issue next year when there's only four comp, you know, four power conferences. But this would have been a year where we could have five elite conference champions, one law from the power conferences. And you know, you look at every conference champion, it's like they kind of should be in there. Whether it's Texas or Oklahoma, Florida State, Georgia, um, whoever the three, Ohio State, Michigan, or maybe Penn State come out of the Big Ten. Um, so I, I say Washington only loses one the rest of the way in, in the regular season. Then we'll see what happens to the conference champion. Well said, friend. Well said. Jeff, you're up, friend. Yeah, I'll just be real <clears throat> brief with my open mic here. Uh, to, <clears throat> tomorrow, uh, we are two weeks away from the college basketball season beginning. And this, that, that, is my favorite favorite sports time of year when you've got college basketball and college football going. So definitely looking forward to that. And kind of hats off, I would say, to uh, the the ACC ADs and presidents because there was actually a ACC fall meetings that really didn't get talked about um, last week. Uh, th- those were held. Um, in the past week and they did talk about revenue generation and and you know all the stuff realignment wise that people are are worried about and you know it was quiet that was the best thing about it there was no um you know we know everyone's looking at their own self-interest but 
honestly doesn't do any good for for different schools to publicly um show out i would say and it was quiet and then i think that was a good thing focus on the football uh because it is like tim said it's, it's a great college football season um the acc's had a had a really strong season you know some really nice out of conference wins uh florida state right there in the in the mix for a playoff spot um you know see how they handle things down the stretch um i you know just like you said tim there really i don't think there is a great team I, and i don't know about michigan i mean i know they're blowing everybody out but i, t- I think i said on the podcast last week you know, play somebody with a pulse before you kind of catch my attention. I, I think there's probably a dozen teams in the country that would, you know, put up similar, you know, type results against the schedule they played, or at the very least, they'd be undefeated as well. But, you know, so I'm not, I don't think there is a truly great team at the moment, but I know Florida State has a great player who takes what I, would be a pretty good team and can make them potentially great. Um, you know, Jordan Travis against Duke, and that's a really good Duke defense who contained that offense for, for a good portion of that game. But you can only hold him and that offense so long. And he eventually started finding holes there. And I know the Riley Leonard injury really hurt Duke there. But, I mean, Jordan Travis is a really special, special player. And so it's going to be a great second half to the season here. Amen. Amen. Tim, thanks so much for joining the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. Thank you for spending your Sunday night with us, friend, and we would love to have you come back on the show again sometime. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. I look forward to coming back on here. And, uh, yeah, got a few excited. I tell you this, who knows how this is all going to play out this year. Got a lot of chaos coming, I think. And, and, Jeff, you mentioned it. Basketball season is almost here, and it's going to be a very interesting year in the ACC on the men's side. And, and on the women's side, there's a lot of excitement, obviously, for Tech this year. Could this be the year for a team national championship for the first time for Virginia Tech coming in women's basketball specifically? We'll see. Way to go! Way to give us some good insight there, Tim. And thank you so much for coming on. And it was a good closer. And we'd love to have you come on the show again sometime. Thanks again, and have a great week, guys.